Welcome to Writer's Digest Presents. Hosted by the editors of Writer's Digest, this monthly podcast features conversations with writing and publishing experts whose insights will help ignite your creative vision, hone your skills, build your platform, and get your work out into the world. Hello, and welcome to Writer's Digest Presents. I am content editor Michael Woodson, and today we are tackling a subject that I think will be an ongoing conversation for us writers for a while, and that is artificial intelligence. You know, in some ways, we use AI every single day, whether it's asking the little computer voice in our devices to search that random piece of information that we just have to know the answer to, or if it's plugging in an address to get us from point A to point B. In its most pure form, AI on this level is really a collection of facts and information at our fingertips, hopefully to make our lives a little bit easier and sometimes a little bit safer. But what happens when AI seemingly starts to replace the creative process? What happens to artists and their art form? As I record this, the Writers Guild of America and the Screen Actors Guild are both still on strike for many reasons, one of which is the prevalence of AI in the entertainment industry, with writers and performers hoping to safeguard their creativity and their likeness so that AI cannot and will not replace them. No writer is exempt from AI's progression with ChatGPT and other new programs and platforms that are on the surface suggesting to make writing easier, but that hasn't really been the case always. Worst case scenario is AI steals your work and your likeness and starts to profit off of it, but certainly that's not gonna happen, right? Well, it is happening. Today I'm speaking with author and instructor Jane Friedman about artificial intelligence in the writing world. And Jane is uniquely qualified to discuss this, as she has recently experienced artificial intelligence copying her likeness and her work. Here is Jane Friedman. Jane, thank you so much for joining me today for this conversation. Um, Our audience probably knows you really well, but for those who don't, would you mind just giving a brief introduction of yourself? So I've spent my entire career in the publishing industry in one form or another. I began, in fact, when I was in college, interning for a mid-sized house, which was ultimately the parent of of Writer's Digest. And so I spent 12 years um, in traditional publishing. I took a detour as a professor. I ended up at a literary journal in Virginia, and now I'm a full-time freelancer. So mainly what I do is I write and publish on the topic of writing and publishing. Yeah, you've, yeah, like you said, you've been an instructor and writer for years, not just with WD, but in general. Um, And given your experience, what were your initial thoughts upon first learning about, I guess, like the latest iteration of AI, and in particular, what it might mean for writers and authors? So I wasn't surprised when I found fraudulent books on Amazon, because there have been fraudulent books on Amazon since, like, the beginning, basically, ever since at least the Kindle Direct platform was Mm -hmm. made available. And for those who aren't familiar with that platform, I think it's important to understand that anyone can create an account. Um, Anyone can publish a book basically in less than a day. They're not going to stop you from publishing a bad book. There's, you know, if it looks blatantly illegal, they'll stop it like copyright infringement. And you, whatever account you set up to publish, the name on the book doesn't have to match the account owner because obviously lots of people use pen names. Mm. Um, And there are also small presses that use that platform to publish a range of people. So, you know, I'm, I'm no stranger to people misusing the system. And it's been a long time complaint of so many authors. Um, 
And there are also a lot of books that go out on Amazon that are in the gray area of mm -hmm. legality, um, which can be hard to take down. So when I initially saw these fraudulent books, which I hadn't written, but had my name on it, I knew right away, just because of my experience in the industry, mm. that it was going to be really challenging to get Amazon to recognize the problem because, you know, they're, they're contacted, I imagine, thousands of times a day about any number of problems. And so they have different tiers um, of, of customer service. Yeah. And it's just really tough unless you have a really clear claim to get fraudulent books taken down. And so the way AI plays into this is that it just makes it so much easier to create really bad books, mm -hmm. um, really fraudulent types of materials. Um, it's not that it's necessarily, again, a new phenomenon that we're seeing in terms of garbage being yeah. published. Yeah. Um, it's just... I would say that there's been an explosion in attempts and there are now AI just makes it possible to do some more creative things um, to profit off of Amazon's very loose, very loose system yeah. of checks and balances. So you've alluded to what you recently experienced. Would you mind uh, sharing a little bit more in depth what happened? Because um, I would imagine it's most writers worst nightmare right now. Yeah, yeah, and I I totally get it. Um, yeah. and and it's the weird thing about this, or maybe the frightening thing for me truly, mm. um, is that you don't have to be an author for this to affect you. You just have to have a name that people want to trade on. Mm. So, whether you deal with Amazon or not, whether you're interested in publishing books or not, this could happen to you. So, mm. essentially, what happened was I was contacted by someone who was interested. In my works, they were, you know, thinking about taking some classes with me. They had already heard of me mm. um, and they just wanted to see what books I had on the market. And so as most people do, they went to Amazon first. Amazon gets treated as a search engine in that way. And very close to the top of the search results were these books about, you know, publishing power or make a million bucks on your ebook. Just just really the worst kind of um, promises that I would never make in my own totally. books. And, you know, she was skeptical, uh, mm. thank God, that I had actually put these up. She initially thought, oh, well, maybe this is a sales and marketing experiment. <laughs> like, no. <laughs> um, so she emailed me to, to alert me to the fact these books were available. And what was fascinating is that she found two, but there were about half a dozen. Oh. And I only knew that because I started looking at my Goodreads profile because mm. these and Goodreads is owned by Amazon. There's a very close connection between the two. Uh, usually once a book is published on Amazon, it automatically populates to Goodreads. Mm. Uh, authors aren't alerted. It just kind of happens. Mm. And so Goodreads showed the full number of books that had been assigned to me without mm. my knowledge or consent. So Amazon does have a formal process for infringement claims, and that covers copyright and trademark infringement, which are pretty clear cut and straightforward. Mm -hmm. I've actually filed these claims myself on the copyright side for basically pirated copies or yeah. counterfeit copies. That's so common. You know, if you've, you've probably, or some people have probably seen New York Times articles about the counterfeit issue. Um, so, but like I said, I knew there was going to be some problems here because it's not a straightforward copyright issue. You can't, 
the AI work currently doesn't yeah. have copyright protection. It's not a copyright violation currently to generate material in the style or voice of someone. Right. So, you know, I went through the formal channel that I was supposed to, but, you know, when they asked me, what work is this infringing on? I couldn't point to anything. Mm -hmm. And when they asked for my trademark registration numbers, I don't have any, like most authors don't trademark their name. Mm -hmm. So they closed the case at that point, And then I realized it was going to take some special effort uh, to get them to pay attention. Yeah, their, their response to it is was kind of interesting. You had mentioned sort of customer service and they, they approached it from like a, just standard, seemingly a standard customer service issue when it's um, I think a little bit more unique, unfortunately, and, and bigger than just a customer service problem. Right. Um, it, you also mentioned that you were made aware of this because a reader happened to reach out to you. And exactly. I, I think that's like really frightening and fascinating. Do you think you would have noticed uh, as soon as you did? No, yeah. no, I, you know, in the grand scheme of things, my books are not a big part of what I do. Um, most of it's about my paid newsletter, my mm -hmm. website and blog. Um, the book's income is pretty low on the totem mm -hmm. pole. Also, the last book I released was six years ago, almost. So I'm not like, I'm not on top of Amazon or Goodreads. Sure. And it could have been months um, yeah. before I realized something was amiss. I'm pretty like, I'm pretty sure if that reader hadn't come forward, yeah. it would have been another reader like the following month. So, right. yeah. And who knows how many more books <laughs> right. by Jane Friedman there be out there. <laughs> exactly. Um, which is, I thought, once they finally did remove them, I, you, I think you said something to the effect of like, they're gone for now. I mean, who knows yes. how long it will take for this to happen again. And I think that sort of, I think illustrates just how easy it is right now for AI to copy someone's likeness or or their work and just get it out yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah. The Whether it's chat GPT um, yeah. or the premium version or some of the other tools, I mean, everyone's got a tool now, right? Right. And some of them specialize in producing book length work and it mm -hmm. doesn't take a lot of prompting. Um, and, you know, it's not like, it's not like the people who are doing this are interested in equality anyway, but at least right. now they have something that like looks feasible, whereas mm -hmm. it might not have looked so feasible before to a, to a consumer anyway. And it's, it's interesting that you point out that AI generated work is not in totally like new and it's something that you've followed for years and just this newest iteration is maybe the most pervasive. And in a lot of ways, we use AI every day in pretty um, like uh, casual ways, like asking, I'm afraid to say her name because she'll pop up, but asking the computer my the voice of my computer to help me find something or right. like, I need to go to the airport, get me to the yeah. airport. But like, if, is there a way that you could describe that this is just different than that? This is different insofar as, especially with the large language models that power tools like ChatGPT, Jasper would be another example. Mm -hmm. They've been trained on countless works. And of course, this is the subject of many lawsuits at the moment. Um, and so they're able to look like they are thinking 
processing, like mm. intelligent, even though it's just language prediction, mm. it makes you think like there could be another person on the end. So you could they're and they're able to mimic certain styles or voices, especially if they've been exposed to those from you know, the data set they've been mm -hmm. fed. So, you know, if anyone was paying attention to kind of the first weeks that ChatGPT yeah. was on the market and people were experimenting and they asked it things like, in the style of the King James Bible, could you tell me how to remove a peanut butter sandwich from a VCR? <laughs> and, it, <laughs> and it actually produced something that was like exactly what yeah. the King James Bible would have said. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and now you can... Um, there's actually a controversy right now over a new app that allows you to chat with Jesus. Um, oh. I don't mean to like hit on all the religious examples, but you know, people find that a blasphemy. Mm. There's also a bot that was created by a private individual for Esther, Esther Perel, who's like a really well-known couples therapist. And uh, she actually seems okay with it. Cause I think the creator mm. of this bot um, he was just using it for nonprofit, like personal use, but he, like the tools are available now for even right. the average non-tech individual to input whatever they want into the model to create whatever they want and then mm -hmm. output whatever they want. So like we've never before seen right. this kind of frictionless tool before. Wow. Yeah. And I think there are some writers and creative people who are maybe hesitant to say whether or not they think this form of AI is is good or bad yet. And I yeah. think the main argument there is what they're saying is that it's in its infancy in a lot of ways. So they don't want to cast yeah. judgment on it just yet. Right. What are your thoughts on that? Well, like any tool, it can be used for good or ill. Mm -hmm. um, and I think it does require, especially companies that are kind of at waypoints of mm. the technology to put some guardrails in place. And this is why I came down so hard on Amazon, because they're yeah. one of these really important yeah. waypoints where people can do bad things with the results of this technology. So, you know, you're like, if you go back to all sorts of technology that came onto the market for the last 200 years, you're always going to find people who are pessimistic and think it's going to result in a dystopia or doomsday or apocalypse or the extinction of human creativity. You know, whatever your fear is, people have predicted, predicted it for just about virtually everything we now enjoy today, mm -hmm. like word processing. Mm -hmm. um, if you look back in the New York Times about when this was becoming widespread, there was a, a woman who wrote a really long article fearful that this would put all women out of work because mm. what would they have left to do now that they couldn't type up the men's work <laughs> you know mm. it's like well i'm glad i'm no longer fated <laughs> to be a typist uh for the rest of my life <laughs> there was the same concern about desktop publishing um in the early 80s where it'll would it could allow you to forge documents right um and it's kind of like the classic student forging the doctor's note or, yeah. what, you know, in this case, early use was like forging checks or forging yeah. like things that could get you money. So you're going to see this pattern again and again yeah. and again. And that's why I'm not, even despite what has happened, I'm not anti-AI. I'm not pessimistic about the technology. I think ultimately we're going to figure it out. Yeah. But there is going to be a lot of pain and gnashing yeah. of teeth and outrage um, 
as we find some sort of equilibrium here. Yeah. Well, and I think we're seeing that across industries where, you know, SAG and WGA are yes. on strike in yes. part because of AI. And um, that really kind of segues into one of my last questions is basically like bearing in mind what you experienced and your general understanding of AI. What, where do you sit with AI right now? I would like to see companies like Amazon um, put protections in place to avoid the blatant abuses. Um, I would like to see authors, all creative people's moral rights respected. Um, So giving them the choice of Mm -hmm. whether or not they want their work informing these models or used in any way, I think they ought to be given. They, They shouldn't have to opt out. Um, it shouldn't be an automatic opt-in process. Mm, right. So that's kind of what I mean by moral rights, which are stronger in, in the EU, unfortunately, than they mm. are in the US. I'd like to see greater transparency with the companies that develop these models about how they were trained. Um, you know, it's. I remember back when Wikipedia was considered a scourge. And, Seriously, uh, <laughs> I've actually been thinking about that a lot with this conversation. Yeah. yeah. Yes, and you know, it kind of was not particularly sure. trustworthy in the beginning, <laughs> but it found its footing, and yeah. everything at Wikipedia now is is sourced for yeah. the most part. And if it's not sourced, it's called out right there mm-hmm. for you to see. Um, so I feel like we're going to have more of that surrounding these tools. Mm-hmm. One hopes. Yeah. Um, there's got to be some legislation. Um, and I don't want to see these AI companies be the only ones who profit, obviously. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's one of the reasons that authors and other unions and guilds are speaking out now. They're trying to get mm-hmm. ahead of this before uh, too much damage gets done. And do you think that, I guess this is really just your opinion. Now, do you think that this will change the way writers start to safeguard their work? Like the pressure is on these platforms and and these companies. Um, In the meantime, like what, what are writers able to do to, to safeguard themselves and their work? Right. Unfortunately, there's not a lot of protection at the moment. And that's, that's why I'm trying so hard to spread the word. Yeah. Um, you know, there's the trademark issue, which provides very narrow protection. Mm-hmm. And by that, I mean, people share the same name. <laughs> so right. you can't... I, my, ex- my dad's name is my name. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. like, if you both want to publish books, that needs to be possible. Yeah. <laughs> um, so if you do get a trademark for the name that you publish under, it's, it, by definition, it's going to have to be very narrow. Yeah. And you can't infringe on anyone else's rights if you get a trademark, um, like prevent them from doing what they would ordinarily do. So I don't think that's like the ultimate, you know, mm-hmm. solution here, but I do think it offers something that can be done. And I'm certainly considering it for my mm-hmm. work and not necessarily because of the books, but because I do so much mm-hmm. online and yeah. my name could be used in countless ways that I don't consent to for online materials. Yeah. And so I want I want to have some recourse um, because copyright isn't it. The current laws, current copyright laws um, are starting to get behind mm-hmm. where they need to be. And I'm not saying that we need stronger copyright protection necessarily. I'm just saying that AI, no one knows what copyright protections 
should be related to AI. The laws were written before anyone could really right. conceive of the possibilities. Right. So I think it's going to have to evolve in some way that offers greater protection. Absolutely. Yeah, the technology moved a lot faster than any of us like imagined. <laughs> yes, yes, it did. Um, well, thank you so much, Jane. This is really helpful and um, actually really helpful to see that like there is a little bit of, well, I mean, more than a little, I want to say like, there's still some optimism coming yes. from you about all of this. It's not, it doesn't have to be the worst possible thing that happened um, no. to a writer. You know, no. I, I do think writers are, at least our audience is a little bit like at sea with what to feel about it. Yeah. And I, I get it. There are a yeah. lot of unknowns, yeah. um, but I don't think that being fearful or anxious, I, that's, I don't think that's going to offer any protection. There's right. no way to really, what, um, avoid this issue. You can't yeah. stick your head in the sand about it. You can't go off to a cave. Um, I've seen some people say, well, I just won't publish on Amazon or I, I won't publish at all. But gosh, that's yeah, that seems counterproductive. If yeah. you want to be a writer and author, you, you, <laughs> you know, I would say whatever your plans were prior to AI, keep those plans. Yeah. Um, but just be smart, keep your eye out, look for, look for opportunities to protect yourself when you can and realize that everyone is in the same boat as you. You're not alone. Totally. Jane, thank you so much. Where can people find you online? Janefriedman.com. It's still the real me. Uh, (laughs) You can find all my resources there. Wonderful. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Writers Digest Presents. Follow us on social media at Writers Digest and head to writersdigest.com for more perspectives on artificial intelligence in the writing world. Join us next month, where we'll be in conversation with author Rob Hart about his novel, The Paradox Hotel. Hotel.